Hello, listeners. Happy Apple Vision pre-order day, which I ha- happily secured my unit at 5 a.m. in the morning, and as tired as a result. This is Ben Beharin speaking. <laughs> Greetings, Internet. This is Jay Goldberg speaking. I am well rested because I did not wake up <laughs> at five in the morning to get a Vision Pro. I, I do have a friend of mine who has a, a what his daughter works at Apple uh, and on the East Coast, and she got him on the list. Yeah. And and uh, he he said, I'm so excited about the Vision Pro that when I get it, Give me 24 hours and then you can play with it. There you go. Yes. So I've got mine now too. Perfect. Well, in the coming weeks, we will discuss that. Uh, but for now, we've got some some happenings. Uh, regular listeners know that we like to talk about TSMC's earnings because they, again, send us a bit of a signal, but there are some uh, other parallel and uh, complementary news that came up that, again, Gives us some sense as to what uh, what demand will look like today, and I'm sure many people saw a lot of semiconductor stocks uh, were very high. Nvidia hit all time highs. Um, Arm was either hit it or very close to it. Um, AMD up. Lo- lots of names sort of up. Uh, a big one who we'll talk about: Supermicro, uh, which I think is again kind of on the back of the the indicators or the signals that we're looking for. But let's start. Start with TSMC. They had a really strong guide. Um, they uh, they had obviously strong er, strong earnings from an overall standpoint, but their growth forecast was they're saying low to mid twenty percent uh, in the U.S. Uh, and another big sort of note, uh, just in terms of what they were what they were seeing in terms of diversity now of uh, of moving to the leading edge. And I and I noted one of the other interesting remarks was um, they're seeing a higher uptick and engagement to N2 compared to N3 from both HPC and uh, and smartphones at a similar stage, which I thought was kind of positive, which actually somewhat indicative of a similar cycle for 7 nanometer, which was one of their best um, categories as they were getting to leadership. But overall, it sounded pretty, pretty positive, and I think their guide was what everybody said. Yep, it's going to be one of those one of those healthy years because they're expecting solid, solid growth in, in 2020. So, you know how like last week when I was talking about CES and I was complaining that there wasn't enough AI at CES, Yeah, the, the intervening week has made up for it because it's been, it's been all <laughs> AI, AI all week. Yeah. Uh, I, I, most of the, a, a lot of their commentary, most of the questions, the analyst questions that went to TSMC on their call um, and most of the, Follow-up coverage has talked about AI. Um, it's you know it's it's important it's important to their business. It's probably we're in a little bit of a trap in how we're talking about AI, but right. I think for a lot of TSMC's commentary, when they talk about AI and this big demand they see for AI, that's I think we can read that as code for Nvidia. Yes, I, th- I think I, I've just saved everybody an hour reading the transcript. <laughs> Nvidia is doing really well. Yes, Nvidia is doing very well. They, um, you know, when you look at some of the additional commentary, I mean, they 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 came out and again wanted to emphasize kind of exactly what you said that they're well positioned for AI, that they've got every leader, quote unquote leader, right? Because they define that leader, but every leader in AI is engaging with them, which generally would be true, right? Um, and you know, I think what 
kind of goes somewhat, I don't know, under, under the radar is, you know, we know that Intel is continuing to put more of their compute tiles to TSMC. And, uh, it, but, but what's intriguing to me here, because I don't honestly know if I agree with this, it's, it feels to me like everybody's saying, if I want to make the best AI processors, I need to move to the leading edge. And I think that's true in some cases, but I don't know if that's true across the board. But, but the fundamental point that I think is interesting is we talked about this last week. I'm imagining we're going to continue to talk about it throughout this year is we're still not seeing a re-architect of design with AI first silicon yet. It's still retrofitted outside of a couple of examples, which maybe we'll talk to at some point. We had a meeting at CES with Grok. They're obviously building something that's very specific to uh, AI in terms of inference. Cerebrus obviously building some silicon very specific to training. So, so those architectures are thoughtfully designed with AI first versus let's just take what I did for a mobile or a desktop or a you know cloud GPU and, and make it capable via software. Now, now again, will will TSMC benefit from that when people start saying, "Let's rearchitect things for the AI first era"? Maybe, but I'm just not sure. I completely buy every point about well, being on the leading edge means I'm the best in AI silicon. Yeah, I mean, let's let's tease that apart because I think first and foremost, um, if you're designing a chip where you need the utmost performance. You're going to design that on the leading edge. And where else are you going to go? Yeah, right. you're going to go to TSMC. Right. You're going to go to TSMC. So when TSMC says all the leading AI companies are coming to us, well, okay. You could just you could you could take out the word AI and just say all the leading semiconductor right. designers, right? Right. Um, but to your to your bigger point about AI first silicon, I, I I've been I've been working on a piece. I probably come out next week where I'm trying to sort of sift through the AI market and put some structure around it and how we how we think about it, right? Because I really see it as sort of three three buckets, right? There's the bucket of AI wash, which is just the toothbrushes and backpacks with AI in it. Like we can take those out. Then there's all kinds of companies that are, what you're doing is you, what you call retrofitting AI on top of existing products and architectures. And then, and then there's new AI first things. And I think that that middle bucket is where everybody is, where most mm. everybody is looking. I mean, to some degree, even NVIDIA is still coming from that camp. And even within that, I think there's two two sides of that. Um, I think this is the conclusion I'm coming to, is that a lot of AI, possibly the, the vast bulk of what we call AI, the benefits from that are going to accrue into systems like that that aren't AI first, that are just mm. like the Apple A series, right? That's had AI neural processors in it for years now. It has pretty clearly made photo, video, image processing better on the iPhone, maybe in ways we don't fully appreciate it daily, but it's it's there, it's been there for a long time. I think that's a lot of the benefits from, I won't call it AI, we'll call it machine learning, are going to accrue in those kinds of ways. People are taking what they're already doing and because of the advances in machine learning, they can do those things more efficiently. It's an economic argument more than a compute or an innovation thing. And I think that's that's important and under understated, right? Lots of people are talking about AI, 
because they're able to do existing things faster, more efficiently. And that's that's great. That's great for NVIDIA because they have such an, a, a lead in doing that kind of compute. Mm. The problem I think we're running into is there are a lot of companies that are sort of using that as cover yeah. for doing existing things um, without really thinking through them clearly. And, I, and, and here I'm really thinking of AI and Intel and a couple other companies where they've where they've taken, they're starting to launch AI products, but they're trying to claim our AI accelerators. If you try to get under the hood, it's not clear that they're really anything new there. Right. And this is a problem you and I have talked about a lot is try to get some understanding from either of those companies about the architecture of their AI accelerators their MPUs. And they, they are not particularly forthcoming with any details. And my, my very strong suspicion is they don't want to talk about the architecture of their AI accelerators because they're really just sort of warmed over GPU, CPU cores. And there's not a lot of differentiation there. Yeah. And so they, right. They're not going to talk about it. And I think that's well, a, that's a big problem. What, what, what did you get a sense of? Cause I had some people point this out and I'm not doubting TSMC is going to have a strong year, but a number of the analysts that I was talking to, you know, in back channel things pointed out that they did guide last year to a bit of growth and it didn't tend to be as as optimistic as they as they said. So I think there I think that was hinting at a, a a suggestion that TSMC's guidance your guidance might not always be the most predictable. Again, I'm not saying they're not going to grow, but but within that there's some assumptions that smartphones see a cycle. Like I already see these things being labeled AI smartphones. We've talked about AI PCs that there's some um, I think some of that does depend on that because again, it's not like we're talking 50 million and or 200 million units of of AI data center silicon, right? You need that scale at client. So again, I'm not saying they're not growing, but I I took that as a point to like eh, sometimes they're not always you know as predictable when it comes to their their growth estimate. Well, no no company is, but here's here's a thought experiment. Imagine if Nvidia didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Right, and it didn't exist last year; it just disappeared off the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. TSMC's numbers would be yeah. not great not because great. because consumer was weak last year. Last year, yep. right? Cons- uh, PC and and smartphone were pretty bad. And yep. I, I haven't done the math, but I'm going to next week. I just I'm going to note I just thought of. I'm going to look at that and try and strip out Nvidia. I bet you most of TSMC's growth this year, last year, came from. Nvidia's crazy year, uh, and I think that's that's sobering. And so, yes, we all know they're strong secular trends, more semis and everything, but that's you know that's a long, long term, yeah, part of the process. I think that the near term excitement is very much Nvidia eccentric, Nvidia centric, and the AI stuff from everyone else is sort of coming on later. And I, I think what we're going to see is a lot of the other companies' AI stuff, at least certainly this year. It's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a bunch of, it's going to be SOCs with a little bit of AI cores sprinkled in. Right. And that, I mean, and, and that's going to be invisible to NVIDIA's numbers. Like, How does NVIDIA right. describe that kind of chip? It doesn't, it's not an AI right. chip, it's just a right. CPU. I mean, there's clearly no, no doubt that they're, they're going to see growth from this demand. I mean, every number that you see from server-side AI companies making boxes just continue to say that they're seeing... <laughs> a year of wait times to get GPUs from NVIDIA. So 
clearly the demand is there. It looks like wafer costs are again going to go up. Uh, I saw an analysis of the leading edge, you know, the predominant leading edge customer for TSMC, who starts with an A, um, seeing their wafer costs increase, essentially justifying or not justifying, but uh, validating that cost per compute node plus transistor is going up. So you are paying more at that edge. Um, so they're they're going to, as the leading edge sees strength, and as you start to see, right, five nanometer took a big jump in terms of revenue, three is starting to pop pop up in a major way. Just by nature of those transitions, they benefit from that financially, right? I think the question comes back to how much scale is needed to hit said 20% number, and, and then how important is that on big volumes like PCs and smartphones, or is there enough dynamics there that you know, 15 to 20% is probably reasonable no matter what, uh, just on the back of business as usual and enough companies needing to supply, supply wafers from, from TSMC. Yeah. Again, I think cyclically, the industry is in a better shape than it was last year. PCs and smartphones will do okay with or without AI. That's going to be a big part of their growth from 2024. And then the AI stuff is, is like I said, it's NVIDIA and that seems to be still very, very strong. Yeah. And like, I used to think NVIDIA would hit an air pocket like Q3 this year. And now I think it's further yeah. out. Like, I told there's, you. There's... I told you. Yeah. 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 You did. So here's the other thing I think is interesting. And I, I want your feedback on this because nobody's pointed this out. But but I'm t- what I'm about to make is a somewhat contrary to the point to a point that they way they do things. But I think this is positive. Okay. So the point is the, the sheer. Uh, benefit to the leading edge that is Apple to TSMC. So if you just looked at three nanometer, they had nearly 100% in 2023. It looks like right now the estimates are north of 60% in 2024 and still a gigantic chunk, if not 60% of an increased scale in, in 2025. I'm not talking about three nanometer. The question I have is, would it be viewed as a positive? Because I think it would, but that's what I'm testing that we see a similar chart at two nanometer that doesn't have Apple at a hundred percent in year one, meaning that they get diversity at that node because I would, I would not that anybody should feel like a nor what I'm saying is that Apple's in jeopardy of losing any scale, but I would view it as healthy that Apple wouldn't be the predominant hundred percent, you know, customer of each leading node transition because that would signal a couple of things. A, they've increased that capacity to meet more than one customer, which has been their challenge throughout the last few node jumps, because we want to see them inva- making investments. And they pointed out in earnings, they're making investments to increase capacity. So my point is, I think that would show that they have increased that capacity to support more customers on a node jump day one, not just Apple. And I tend to think that would be a positive from them from a from a posture standpoint from from foundry yeah i i think in general nobody likes to see too significant a uh, customer concentration in any one name especially if it's apple because they're really tough to deal with but at the same by the same token if apple said you know what we don't need moore's law we're just gonna stick with five nanometer right. we're not right. gonna right right there's a line of people who would step up and take their place. Right. right. So, so, that's my, I, so that's my point. Is that a capacity thing? I mean, I obviously Apple yeah. has preferential chip. That's, that's what I'm saying. So if by some miracle in 2025, when, or maybe 2026, whatever two nanometers is going to hit, 
the chart that we see is is Apple eighty percent in first you know first run silicon for that one, and somebody else twenty. I think that would be positive because the last three nodes, it's been near a hundred percent. Yeah, but I I worry about the customer concentration in in other kinds of companies, like right? Because usually what you have is you have a high degree of, and again specifically the Apple, you have cust- you know you have fifty sixty percent of revenue going to Apple, and then Apple gives and Apple takes away, and then you lose right. Apple, and then you're you have a sixty percent hole in your revenue number. That's that's not going to happen here. They're going right. to have right. Nvidia and AMD right. step up. Um, but it is interesting to think of in the context of there are reports this week that the Arizona plant for it's TSMC delayed. is is yeah. delayed pretty significantly. Right. Well, so uh, I, I think I think it's it's the second phase. The first phase I think is still on schedule, but the second phase is getting delayed by you know basically a, a generation, basically a node. It's eighteen months. Right. And so we're going to have continued capacity constraints. And and I think their 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 capex number. I know it was above where the street expected, but it still looks a little light to me. It's like what thirty two billion dollars. It looks a little like they're 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 the tone of their commentary is that we sort of plateaued in our big spend and we can sort of taper down a little bit. Like they're still mm. going to spend a lot, but it's not the what the pace they saw like two years ago. I, I, so, but that that's weird to me because it, I, I guess that just means they're being very disciplined. Yeah. But there's so much demand. I, I, it must be very, very tempting to see how much demand they have and NVIDIA calling them every day, asking for more capacity. Right. It must be very tempting for them to really just hit the gas and just, added you know a lot more capacity and they're not doing that which i think speaks to their their diligence and also speaks to their recognition that they're they're not that reliant on nvidia it's just it's or apple so there's some yeah. there's some good discipline taking place there right but with with those delays i mean i know the arizona plants weren't necessarily going to be the bleeding edge but they were going to have um you know four nanometer and and i think yeah. progress to more edge it it still only makes the point relevant to who it's relevant to that Intel will still be the only real game in town in a U.S. company on U.S. soil with the leading edge at uh, at eighteen A. So the way that plays out is what it is. But I think the delays again make for an interesting dynamic there about um, you know U.S. soil and and leading edge manufacturing. Yeah, but we still don't have very firm dates from Intel on when customers get 18A. Right. Right. Yeah. That's still, yeah. I, I, I think TSMC will still be pretty meaningfully ahead. Not with Arizona, not in the U.S., but. Yes, with leading edge, yeah. With the customers, right. Yeah, I just meant right. U.S. soil. U.S. It was a U.S. foundry point. Um, but yeah. I mean, that opens the very real question. That's something that worries me about Intel is we're very focused on 20A and 18A as you know, as is appropriate because those are the big important nodes. But they gotta keep that going. They do. Like whatever yeah. whatever comes out of sixteen A 16A is yeah. like you know, I, I assume they're planning on it now, but it's like you yeah. know, I they, they benefited, right? They're gonna get money from the government and from Europeans and from wherever. But like what do they do And they need the customers next, for that to Yeah, they're gonna need Intel. customers for that. Yeah. And it's gonna be tough because customers like we still don't have a, I guess, I guess they announced they're having an event in February about IFS. Yeah. yeah. End of February. So I think that that's, that's the key date. We'll keep an eye on that um, to see. Yeah. Hopefully they'll announce a customer and we'll get some better sense of the roadmap and the longevity of it. But I, 
like, you know, I guess it's a a testament of they've made a lot of progress. We're not worried about them going out of business tomorrow, but now I'm worried about them going out out of business in five years. So, yeah. Well, and hint, hint to all of our friendlies at Intel that listen to this. Maybe somebody from IFS wants to join our podcast uh, after the, uh, the foundry event. Um, But I thought one last point on the one I was making about diversity of customers. Um, I thought this was an interesting point from TSMC's commentary that said, as capacity increases, engagement starts much earlier. And so I, I think they recognize this exactly to your point, and I do think they need to be disciplined, but I think, I think so again, I take two things away from this. A, if they could make more wafers this year, they'd make more money. Like they're going to sell every one of those. They aren't sitting in on capacity. So point. However, I think they do recognize how much of a capacity shortage we're up against, but I also think that's not an easy problem to solve at the same time. Like, yes, fiscal discipline, getting advanced EUV machines, getting the talent, right? I mean, it's all, all, all to say the point I was leading to, which is that nothing changes in my opinion, that we will still have compute, have and have nots, capacity, have and have nots, and far, far more demand than we have capacity for really the foreseeable future beyond this year. Yeah, I, I thought their commentary about the increasing complexities of design were very interesting. They, they mentioned that at a few points where they say it's just mm. taking customers longer yeah. to design chips and longer to bring up. And you know who that reminded me of a lot was ARM, because ARM said the exact same thing. Right. right when we had Renee on a couple a couple weeks ago, same same exact point. Like all these systems are getting, all these chips are getting much more complicated and getting the getting that to manufacture is taking a lot longer at these advanced nodes. And I, it's interesting to hear like these are pretty disparate companies echoing that same point and how it's, uh, and how it's an opportunity for both of them. It's a pretty yep. valid opportunity. And I think it makes it harder for everyone who's not them to get involved. Yep. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting, and this is just a point of, leadership by a vendor that we that we talk about that we're at a stage in the world of ai where a company like meta who announced yesterday that they are open sourcing llama 3 and that they have procured i forget the exact number some insane number 300 something whatever 400 something nvidia h100s that we're at a point in time where just by telling someone how many h100s you have proves that you're in a leadership position like it's whoever's got the most that means you're gonna win like of all the things that could just keep cyclically benefiting this momentum that's seeing nvidia then to the manufacturing of tsmc then also to the absurd demand that's being now evident by Supermicro and I know, um, you know, Dell's AI hardware business, these AI servers, everybody's like, we got a long list of customers that want these things. We're cranking them out as fast as we can. Just speaks to this kind of weird moment that, that we're in around incredible, incredible demand for compute. So it, it, and it's, you know, I've actually been thinking about this in a slightly different context, right? Because over, uh, over the last few weeks, there's been this this whole thing with Alaska Airlines and the door blowing yeah, off the plane. Right, right. And and I've been thinking about it because the the story is that you know here we have Boeing who has had this series of 
pretty serious systems malfunctions. And people are saying or attributing this, these problems to a big change in culture, right? In the 2000s, they went from being an engineering culture to a finance culture. And that led to this series of really bad decisions. In the context of semis, I think we, we saw the same thing, right? The, the 2000s, teens especially, were very much an era of consolidation and focus mm. on gross margin and cash flow, right? It's, this is the, the Broadcom Avago model, mm-hmm. which carried us a long way. But as well as it did for that one company, for Broadcom, it didn't do that good for a lot of other companies. Like take Intel, right? Intel was in 2016, 2015 could have bought a whole bunch of EUV machines, but instead decided to buy back a whole bunch of their stock, goose their share price, pay off their executives. And we've led to this sort of, they, they sacrificed engineering for innovation. And we, you know, we see where that's left them, right? It's not a good place. And so I think the advent of what we're calling AI very likely marks a big transition away from the 2010s era of management by cash flow and financial objectives and a return to focus on innovation, R&D certainly, or, or, or like to look at it at a really high level, the last decade was the decade of Hock Tan, and this mm. is going to be the de- decade of Jensen Huang. Mm. Right? And, you know, two, the two best semiconductor CEOs of the last 20 years, maybe ever. Uh, and it's, I think it's a, right. I mean, Hawk has stopped investing in semis. His model has played out in semis. Right. It's it's and now it's because R and D matters again, and that's Jensen's time. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. I like that framing. And you're right. Right within this context of execution, decision making, smart deployment of capital, um, we are we're in one of those kind of innovation. Lots of capex R and D maybe make some wild swings who understands the market and the semiconductor like engineering, right? Technology again, like these are hard technology problems. These are scientific engineering problems that we're sort of back to, which is kind, kind of reminiscent, right? I guess of sort of early, early transistor ramp days, right? As, uh, as we were getting more complex from simplistic to, to more sophisticated logic, but at a, at a crazy scale, even more hard, even more expensive. I mean, we're talking yeah. about, you know, like we've said before, packages that are the size of our head. You know, I mean, this is just insane, insane die sizes, right? That we're yeah. that we're on the forefront of seeing. Right, and and you know, I, I obviously bang the drum a lot that we need more venture investment in semis for exactly this reason because this is what we need to to spark that innovation at the startup level. But I also am very curious to see if any of the big corporates make that same decision. And start right. investing heavily because I've I talked so. to a, a lot of executives or former executives who lament the lack of investment in R and D at all the almost all the big chip companies. I can think of a few exceptions, but for the most right. part, I, I don't feel like anyone's coming up with anything new uh, yeah. outside of Nvidia. Right? While Intel was was buying back its stock, Nvidia was investing in AI. Nobody else seems to be making those kinds of big innovative bets. Maybe a couple in analog, but. None of the yeah. other really big ones. Not not the big ones. I mean, I, I know you said you're going to do a piece on this, and I think we'll we'll probably figure out how to flesh an episode of of some of these, you know, startups. Again, we mentioned you know Cerebris, Grok's an interesting one. I mean, we're not talking people who've raised 
billions of dollars yet, but um, but certainly trying something new, not necessarily having to be on the leading edge. Um, there's interesting stuff going on in chip design research from IBM that I wonder if, if somebody will capitalize and and take to market. But there's certainly those opportunities. But it is you know it is a incumbent architecture, and and I say that specifically incumbent architecture at the moment because you're talking CPUs, GPUs obviously memory. And then now we're starting to think about some of these dedicated AI ASICs, which I don't think are, are like, like we started off saying reinvented or re-architected for AI first, but I think we'll get there at some point. Um, yeah. Is that a, is that a big company opportunity? Is that a startup opportunity? Is that, you know, it seems like there might be capital. And today there was some news that Sam Altman is trying to raise many, many billions of dollars for what they call an AI manufacturing or chip factory, which again, it's, that's very, very hard. Like I read it and I was like, oh yeah, cause it only takes money. That's all you gotta do is raise enough money from sovereign wealth funds and you can do this. Like, no, it's not that simple. But I, I do wonder just the fact that that's coming up and it's been loosely associated that Microsoft could be involved. You know, maybe there is capital ready to say we, we need to help catalyze some of these things different than, than the big companies are. I mean, I think it's plausible. You know, it's it's interesting too. On their call, TSMC mentioned that they're investing heavily in twenty eight nanometer, uh, right? Which I thought was right. I mean, it's a ten year old yeah. node. They're investing, but um, one, they see demand at it. Two, yeah. it's it was one of their best nodes. Yeah. Um, and what they're really talking about is sort of new processes. So, I I thought that was interesting because one, it shows in innovation in some place that we wouldn't have expected it. Like not all semiconductor innovation has to take place at the leading edge. Right. Uh, and two makes me a little nervous for global foundries, right? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of global foundries niche is special processes for trailing edge. And, Oh, your, your biggest competitors just said they're coming after that. So uh, yeah, that's not good. Good, good point. So, so lastly, just again, I mentioned it, but I think it's worth just sort of talking about, you know, uh, su- Supermicro pre-announcing. I'll let you talk about sort of the significance of that, just the fact that when you do that, it means something. But again, I think that just speaks to this this demand moment. But their stock, I forget what I told you at the beginning of this, was up uh, 35%, something like that, some huge jump. And it was up yesterday too, but up a lot today. Um, but that's newsworthy, I think. Yeah. So we're recording this on, uh, January 19th and Supermicro pre-announced their results guiding up for, I think the year on what looked like, I mean, I haven't read through all of it yet, but it's pretty strong numbers. And, uh, again, a very positive signal. Supermicro is seen as being very, very close to NVIDIA and all the DGX systems and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, or just AI systems in general, uh, they're in a really, really good spot. And so. Right. And again, Supermicro is a company that, you know, it, it's in a very competitive field. It's very labor and capital intensive, not mm-hmm. great margins, mm-hmm. uh, but they're in the sweet spot. I mean, you mentioned Dell's, Dell's competitive side is doing part is doing pretty well there too. It's a really, really good time if you have, if you're building systems and people can't get enough of this. So it's interesting that they, it's already January 19th. So we're two, two and a half weeks into the month. So it's, it, it took them a while to, I mean, I can just imagine their accounting department going, 
just adding things up and going, what? No, that can't be right. They had to triple check the numbers. Like it can't be up that big. Yeah, it, apparently it is. So, but I think too, just on, on this sort of broad point, because you know we're going to enter an earnings seasons pretty soon. Um, I think I think a lot of these companies are going to have very similar stories about their growth guides being maybe more bullish for the year than expected. But I also think that they want anything that really helps tell that story at the front, lo- front part of this year to just show the strong position that they are in competitively to benefit from this uplift that we're going to see in, in 2024. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to treat all of that with a pretty healthy dose of skepticism. There's going to be a lot of AI washing this quarter because sure. everybody wants to brush themselves with the, the magic wand. The magic wand. All right. I, and I, I think, I mean, some, some companies have a credible story here. AMD again, doesn't have to, doesn't have to have, you know, boost their guidance by a lot they just have to show that they're competitive right. and getting some wins there right uh, i think the onus will be on intel to you know to really some put some some meat to their ai story uh and and not just you know in terms of messaging but an actual customer sales i think that's that's yeah. that's gonna be challenging for them i don't expect that this quarter but hopefully something right. this year right I, th- I think what'll end up happening at least the conversation that i'll be curious about on this is um you're, you're exactly right. People will do mention AI, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think what, if, if I was trying to, at one of these companies to push this narrative forward, I would at least want to hint that what I'm hoping you value me at is reasonable within my upside for the year, right? Not blow that out the door. But I think you look at a lot of people who need to also justify some of these valuations. I mean, to your point about AMD, their, their PE is still, this question still gets asked, like, are they overvalued? I mean, yes, they've got a ton of revenue upside, but, you know, manufacturing, how much capacity can they get? How much, yeah. you know, can they even, that, that, that's, I think those are all good questions, but that's why I think taking that approach by saying, look, we're well positioned and at least trying to, I, I guess, justify some of these valuations is going to be part of the strategy because I think they're, I don't, I think they don't want to be, viewed as an untouchable stock because they're just too drastically overvalued. Well, I, I think, I think there is, it's a trap. I think there is an immense amount of temptation. There's going to be a very, very strong degree of temptation to talk heavily about AI this year because companies, and it's, it's clear, like anybody who has an AI story is going to get rewarded by the market. Right. Right. And so lots of companies are going to want to talk about it early in the year because of all the news we're seeing right now. Right. But you have to be able to deliver on that. And I, I would, I think a lot, I, it, I, I'm going to, I'm going to keep an eye out for companies that fall into that trap who talk heavily, talk a big AI story now in January, but can they deliver it in October, November? Like uh, I, I wouldn't, yeah. you know, that that's, that's a, that's a very, very risky move unless you're, you have a really high degree of confidence. And I, I would guess that, you know, I, I put AMD in the camp who's, of a, a company who's not going to fall into that because they have substance to deliver on that. There are a lot of other names out there who probably shouldn't talk too much about AI because they don't really have it um, and won't this year. So, yes, yeah, yes. Well, fun stuff. Um, I'm pretty excited about about all the different things we're going to sift through this year. 
and and with i will just say like one of the better points i think you've always made from a financial standpoint to anybody in ir that's listening is the best thing you can be for your for your investors is um predictable with guidance and so i'm very i'm looking very forward to us following people's growth this year and seeing who was predictable with their guidance and maybe holding some people accountable if they've gotten a little too too lofty and not hitting their targets. So Yeah. There are a lot of there are a lot of big swing factors, X factors out there. Uh I think that's, you know, I'm gonna keep an eye on that because there are a lot of a lot of things that aren't clear about the consumer, about data center, yeah. about non AI data center spend, things like that where Right now in January, you can you can maybe make a reasonable argument that oh yeah we think there's you know there's a big range for later in the year we're going to guide to the high end of that guess but maybe maybe wait a quarter or two to get a little more like tangible proof that you're on that trajectory because there's some big there's some big swings out there possible yep yep good stuff all right well until. Next time, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you have had a great weekend and have a great upcoming week, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you, everybody. Tell your friends.